Hey guys, it is David Papavisi and Eric Gilmore here. We are going to tackle chapter three of Second Timothy. Uh, we're not going to go through a recap, but I will post the videos up right now that you can check out our thoughts on Second Timothy chapter one and chapter two. But to start out this chapter, I think it's important to recognize the last statement of the last chapter. The scripture says um, that uh, that when you're correcting these who are in opposition, it is in hopes that they will repent. And it says, come to their senses, escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive to do his will. So with that last statement, he's about to unfold what it looks like to be held captive by the devil not have your spiritual senses awakened and uh, be inside of a snare that is from the devil. So he begins this chapter, which is a expounding upon what it looks like to be in the snare even of, of, uh, of the devil. What, do, what are your thoughts, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because even as he starts off the chapter, he says, but realize this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty and so um even even with that last days the idea of last days it's interesting because peter in in acts 2 in his message when the spirit of god is poured out he says that this promise has been reserved for now the last days so the last days began with the ascension of jesus we are living in an epic or an era of time called the last days but within this epic of time there are the last days of the last days. And so we see that there is the pattern in scripture of the intensification of cycles that have always been present as we near the approach of the return of the Lord. And we see it also even in Jesus's parable of the wheat and the tares, you know, uh, wheat and tares, they start uh, when they're planted, the, the Lord plants the wheat and it starts to grow, but then tares are growing amongst them. And remember the, the workers, they're like, Hey, who, who planted this, who planted these, the Lord says an enemy has done this. They want to snatch them out. He says, no, leave them, let them both grow together to full maturity. And so as Paul is talking about these things, even as you referenced the end of second Timothy chapter two, and what he's about to talk about here in chapter three, we're seeing the tares growing, mm. right? It's these things have always been present from the beginning of the fall, but we're seeing these things growing in intensity, even as the bride of Christ is maturing in, 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 in beauty and in uh, purity and in the glory of Christ. Uh, one of the commentators says that the, the best way to look at that uh, phrase, but realize this, he says it should read, keep, this in your mind keep this in your mind not just like realize this at one time but remember this keep this before your eyes that this is what is about to happen and this is what is happening in and of itself i think it's important to to realize that it is a consistent rem remembrance because we fall away i think uh, as as christians from the remembrance of certain things and i think it's important to remember that it's like keep we need to keep this in front of us you know, don't you think it's important to keep this kind of thought in front of your, your mind? Yes, I think so. I think it's great. I think it's the idea of like, you know, girding up your loins, you know, mm. keeping these things, stirring up holy reminder, even as Peter says, you know, stirring up reminder. Yeah. So, so it says here, 
in the last days, difficult times will come. Here it goes. For men will be lovers of self. We were just talking before the uh, we, we went live. And it seems to be that this is the bag that holds all of the items that are about to be named. So we have a, a dreary list here. And selfishness is the root of this dreary list. Uh, it is the bag that holds all these items. Um, the word that's used there for lovers of self is said to be uh, philatos, which is the combination of phileo, which is to be fond of, and autos, which is self. So it's like to be fond of yourself, <laughs> which is uh, pretty, it's pretty crazy to realize that the springboard for all evil is inside of self-consciousness. Yes. Yeah. And it's crazy because, I mean, we're living in a time <laughs> that, I mean, it could be argued is the most self-aware and self-centered generation maybe ever. I mean, some of that I think is even by virtue of the invention of the internet, which could be used for good and for, or, or for evil or like even social media, things like this. I mean, um, I know even over here in the Middle East, I mean, most people's phones, you look at their their photo log, if they pull out their photos and it's like selfies of themselves. <laughs> you know, it's like like there's such an obsession with self and with our image being celebrated and being praised. And it's the very antithesis to the message of the gospel, which is all about the worship and glory of Jesus. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, this is the fundamental message of discipleship he must deny himself, <laughs> right? So he, that's the first, if you don't deny self, meaning if you don't dethrone self so that Christ himself can be enthroned, so that identify with him in carrying your cross, right? Identification with him through the cross, the very message of the gospel, Romans 6, and his death, his burial, and his resurrection, so that you can follow. So in order for me to follow, in order for me to be nourished by the new life of Christ, to be one with him, to be in union with him, I must have first identified with his death, burial, and resurrection, the message of the gospel in an ongoing way. But for that to even happen, I first have to say no to me. But what I think happens often, and unfortunately, we see it in worship songs or we hear it in worship songs all the time. Mm -hmm. I hear it in messages all the time. It's, it's very much a message that adds Christ to self. So <laughs> meaning like you're the most important thing in God's universe. His, he exists for the purpose of you, but just add him, you know, like add him to your life, you know? And so it's, uh, I think, I think it's a very, it's, it's, it's dangerous because when the mixture is there, someone can feel like, okay, you know, I, be, I genuinely believe I'm genuinely following, but you can't be genuine in him or genuinely free uh, or genuinely walking in what it means to be a son, sonship, if you haven't denied self, if, mm -hmm. if you are still the most relevant issue in your life, uh, that would be by, called by, by many saints of old, I'm thinking of one Charles Finney, that would be called false conversion false converts, you know, but we were part of a revival, <laughs> right? Right. in Brownsville, powerful, marked our lives. And in, in, in Brownsville from 95 to I think in 99 or so, largely Steve Hill preached the gospel mm -hmm. to church members. 
right? I mean, it's, I would say, I don't know, more than half, maybe 70, 80% of those that were impacted by the revival were those that were in church, maybe for years, but either had chosen not to deny self or maybe have, had never said yes to the gospel that put the focus on Christ rather than themselves. Yes. I think it's uh, Anton LaVey's satanic Bible. He has the first commandment as do whatever pleases you. Uh, wow. so he, he sets up the whole satanic uh, emphasis on self. Uh, Matt, I was praying this morning, actually, and I, I said to the Lord, I need you. And when I said that to the Lord, I thought, sometimes we say, I need you because we have something in front of us that has to do with us that we want him to perform. Uh, it, but I, I, th- I thought to myself, no, I don't, I don't need you so that I can access the things that I desire, the, the things that I want to happen today. I need you because without you, I can't please you, nor can I desire to please you, nor can I deny my, myself. I need you not for my own ends. I need you so that I might meet your ends. Uh, that's yes, that's, that's the root of it. When we realize how impossible his ends are, then we realize he's the only means to his own his own ends. But um, right here, written in this uh, little commentary I have by John Wesley, he says, the vice of self-love breaks all the bonds of charity and is one of the deepest marks of human depravity. He says, it is the root of all sin. He talks of uh, lovers of sensual pleasure. Listen to this, bro. This I love this next statement. He says, lovers of pleasure or sensual pleasure. He says, which naturally extinguishes all love and sense of God. Wow. It extinguishes your love and your sense of God. Some people are like, I don't know how, I don't know why I can't sense the Lord. It's probably because you're too sensually inclined. You're, That's you're, good lovers of your own pleasures removes you away from being able to experience the pleasures of, of Christ or Christ as the highest pleasures. That's really good, man. And uh, I have a quick question for you, but one thought came to mind. It's in, it's in Luke nine, where Jesus says to a young man, he says, come and follow me. Right. And uh-huh. we know the message is deny yourself, pick up your cross and come and follow. But he says to a man, come and follow me. And he yeah. says to him, the man responds to Jesus uh, yes, Lord. Yes, sir. But let me first bury my father. And uh, of course we all know this passage and likely that in that time in history and in Middle Eastern culture, he may have been either the oldest or the youngest son left with a father who was elderly and wanted to fulfill his duties to be able to bury his father in old age. It wasn't like his, his father was like on his deathbed. He had like two, three hours and Jesus is about to leave town. The idea there is like, let me fulfill these and then when that's done, I'll come and join the group, whether it be six months from now or a year from now, whatever the case may be. But when Jesus speaks, uh, the, what he, God is good. And the best thing in a situation for him to do is to obey. Hmm. And this man doesn't end up following Jesus. And the statement of his life is, let me first. It's, it's a me first mentality. It's not, a, it's not a Christ first mentality. But I have a question because I'm sure some people may be listening and saying, okay, Lovers of self is the bag out of, out of which all these other sins issue, right? Mm-hmm. Love, uh, love of self is the, the, the temptation, even in the garden to a certain degree, to, to regard one's self rather than regarding the Lord and his commands. So then how is that different 
if someone were to ask you, how was that different than Christ's command or the, or the two most important commands, the golden rule, even love God with all of your mind, soul, you know, heart, emotion, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So how, how do I love my neighbor as myself if I don't love myself? Or, or what does it look like for somebody who maybe is, uh, has been abused as a child or, mm-hmm. or uh, struggled with suicidal thoughts or condemnation or depression or whatever the case may be should how how do they how do they process and interpret this christ says deny yourself right Mm -hmm. that's the gospel so that you can identify with him and follow so how then do we love our neighbor as ourselves you know you know i'm talking yeah yeah anyways let's go ahead (laughs) i mean i when jesus says do unto others what you would have them do unto you um, I think that in essence, it's it's a a rule, a golden rule, that basically means you know what is kind, you know what is sweet and and pure and 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 selfless. You you know what it is, and you delight when people do this for you. Do that for them. So I think ultimately, it is a renunciation of self in the face of something so much higher than self which is god and his glory so when when god's glory and love is eclipsed by a self-focus that's when we've fallen into uh, a, tra- a trap so i think the healthy version of self-love is recognition of god it's, it's like I, that doesn't make sense well it, it does <laughs> it actually it actually does <laughs> it's good yeah. So the recognition of God and his love is the only real self-love that is pure and because it's disinterested. The greatest love you can give to yourself is, in essence, a disinterested love, a love in someone higher than than self. You know, lead me to that rock that's higher than I. You know, it's him above. I think that's the highest form of, of, uh, of purity in love, that it's disinterested. Uh, I think when when self-interest eclipses all of the things, like it says in Philippians chapter 2, it says, don't look out for your own interest only, but for the interest of others. When self-interest eclipses God's interest and the interest of others, then we have meddled with that which caused Adam to fall in the garden and that poison that spread throughout humanity, which has its roots in this pride. And as we go through the list, we see the manifestations of self-love. If this is the bag that holds all these items, it is also the seed that causes these fruits. It it is the root that causes these fruits. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's amazing. And and I think we were talking about it last time, or maybe the first uh, chapter one, where we talked about love and, and love by definition. Uh, it's love is sourced in God. God yeah. is love and love by nature is self-giving. We've seen the very gospel message and the embodiment of God as the son in the person of Jesus. We see love defined as greater love has no man than this to lay down his life than to give himself away for the sake of the object of his affection and the one that he's committed himself to. So it's almost like if somebody were to say, how do you know you have like a glass of water and how do you know you don't have a a cup of dirt, right? So you would say, well, because it's, it's, it's clear, it's liquid substance, it's water, right? How do you know that you have received the love of God 
you know you are loved by God because of the gospel message. Well, that love inside of me manifests itself by not setting its, its, its attention on me, but giving yeah. itself away. So if, if, if it stops with me, it was never the love of God, yeah. right? It was, it was never the love of God if it stops with me. And even as we, as we talk about in this generation, and, and even for people who have ha- had uh, horrible, you know, tragic experiences, whether it's abuse or other things, the devil's trap is to get them to try to focus on themselves, yeah, I to agree. be stuck in the moment, in the, in the moment of, of, of the trauma so that they could be absorbed into themselves and the pain, et cetera, versus looking beyond themselves. And that just, it's like a, it's like a downward spiral of worse and worse depression, but because they're stuck looking at themselves, there's mm-hmm. no freedom in that. And, and, and the love of God is not that the love of God pulls it's, it's self-giving by nature. It, yeah. it frees and heals you and it just flows out of you. That's beautiful, man. So let's look at the list here. We got first things first, lovers of self. But look at what it says next, lovers of money. I think in the King James Version, it says covetous, but it's a compound word of being fond of silver. So that's, that's why it was translated later to lovers of money. Uh, so let me ask you, money is is as it says in the scriptures is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil right right why do you think it is that cash has such power when connected to the love of self that's a great question i think that uh and it's crazy because now of course money in and of itself is neither good nor evil right like it's 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 a it's a tool it serves a purpose it's it's the hearts it's it's when humans choose to dethrone god and <laughs> and and replace it with currency because money can promote us it mm, can there it, it is. can enhance our lives right it can it can enhance and better our lives the author of Hebrews says something powerful in chapter 13. He says, he says, keep your life in verse five free from the love of money and be content with what you have. But it's interesting, his argument for why, right? Keep your heart free from the love of money. Be content because he says, I will never leave you nor <laughs> forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper, mm-hmm. right? And so his argument is that, your heart is addicted to money, right? To, to getting more, more currency because you have sought to replace the presence of God as Come your on. security and the source of your comforts, right? I mean, what does money buy for us? Money buys for us security, right? We want to live longer. We want to be safe. We want to be healthy. We want our kids to, you know, it, it can buy things for us. And part of those things are blessings and God himself blesses us, right? We're not saying that money by itself is evil. However, mm-hmm. we've seen in the scriptures and we see it all around us every day where people preach a perverse gospel that will inherently say that if, you, if you're not like a millionaire, if you're not rich, you're wrong. There's sin in your life. There's something wrong and you should give. And if you want to be rich, I'm the guy to give it to, <laughs> right? Well, well, why can't I go give it to the poor? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why can't I go give it to somebody else? Or like another preacher, for example, why does it have to be to you? <laughs> right? <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I, I, like, I believe in giving. We, we, we give. I know you give. You're very generous. You know what I mean? Like, we, we believe in giving. But it's interesting in Hebrews how he connects it to 
something yes. that we find security in and, and a source of our pleasures and comforts. So we're replacing God as the one who is our security, our help from where our help comes from, our, our pleasure. We're replacing that with this idol that in our world we call currency. Matt, is this connected to covetousness is idolatry in Colossians? Covetousness is idolatry. So you eclipse the person and presence of the Lord by this craving for something else, which points to the fact that we're not satisfied ultimately in him, right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so we have this cash, the very first thing, the love of money. But then he says, boastful, arrogant, Bro, you, you got to hear this about the, the word arrogant there. This is pretty incredible. Um, it has to do with uh, this word H-U-P-E-R-E-P-H-A-N-O-S. I don't know how to say it, but it means to show above. Thus, it speaks of one who shows himself to be above other people. It is a lifting wow. up of yourself above others. I, I remember C.S. Lewis once said, the person who's always looking down on others will never be able to see him who's above. <laughs> wow. Wow. But it's interesting that love of self connects to love of money, which enables you to promote yourself more. And, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and then, then boast about it, tell everybody about right. it. And it lifts you even higher. You're just, you think yourself to be above the rest of humanity. And then uh, I actually looked up the next word, which is revilers or revelers. I, I looked it up to find out what it really meant because I didn't know. And one commentator says, it's the love of self out loud. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What do you think? I think it's insane. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just crazy, right? I mean, it's... it's uh, it's interesting because even when, you know, reading Revelation um, earlier this year and even the picture of the Antichrist himself, where he, when he comes to his uh, full maturity, so to speak, the apex of his, his rule, he takes the seat of God and demands worship. Mm. And, and the Antichrist himself is, is a picture of all that humanity apart from God desires <laughs> from one who rules them versus Christ who comes as a meek, humble servant. Philippians chapter two, that majestic passage that says that Christ became uh, obedient as a man, as a servant, one who came in the form of a servant wow. to the point of death on the cross, which is the lowest. He became a man. He, be, he came low. He put off his divine rights as, as God, the son. He didn't tap those those divine privileges he had he suffered like us was tempted like us as a servant on the cross which is the most shameful form of death he went to the lowest place and as a result god has bestowed upon him the name that is the <laughs> highest name so it, we we see the picture how the one who is lowest is the one who is highest in god's economy but what we're reading here in second timothy chapter 3 is that the one who seeks to be highest is in fact the one from below, from this fallen Babylonian earthly system wow. that, is, that, is, that is falling, that is, that is uh, fading away. Wow. The, they're held captive, right? 
to do his will, to do the will of the, of the enemy. You could say, you could say Satan's will for your life is to love yourself. First. Like, right, right. You could say, you could say, right. God's will for your life is, is to deny yourself and love Jesus and others. Satan's will for your life is to focus only on yourself and love yourself, right? Isn't that the whole, but isn't that the whole, like the motto is like the whole, you only live once, do you, you know, yeah. I have, you know, even in the media, like, well, this is my truth. You know, that's your truth. It's my, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? Like there is the truth and then there's your opinion. You know what I mean? Like, Come but on, I mean, but man. everything, everything is seeking to cater to self, lest yeah. one should offend thyself. You know, like it's, it's, it's just crazy, the perversion and, and just the self-worship. It's the self-worship is seeking to dethrone the worship of God. Man, that's so good, bro. So the next thing it says here, keeping with the root of self-love is disobedient to parents. Man, he put that in there, which shows me that the essence of disobedience to your parents is a resolute adherence to your own will. It also wow. is a self love. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to obey my parents. It, in and of itself, it is an expression of self love. Right? That, that's very good, man. I think he touches it on the same idea shortly where he talks about women, uh, certain women in, in households. It's, it's the idea that I don't have to listen to what somebody else tells me to do right it's 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 the garden all over again you know the command is you can eat of the first command is you can eat of all minus one right yeah so the first command is actually a positive command uh -huh. feed upon eat the garden who is embodied by his very presence which is embodied by his very presence and word and but what is highlighted by the devil is the, is the one that was pronounced a curse you cannot eat of this and, and the issue is like, why should you listen to him, right? The serpent's like, I mean, the reason, you know, he doesn't want you to listen is because you'll know everything, you become just like him, you know. Mm -hmm. Mankind seeks independence from God in order to become God. Yeah, wow. Right, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be just like him when in fact you were already in his image. But it's, it's interesting because it's, it's the disobedience to parents or even the roles in the, in, in the household. Uh, we, we lose sight of the fact that Christ who is God the Son said, I can do nothing apart from him. Wow. Right? He's 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 God the Son and he operates in in full unity and dependency um, with the Father. Mm. Man. It's irreconcilable. That is relational. And right. it is a self. Uh, exaltation that won't bend to the will of others for the sake of reconciliation. It's a resolute adherence also to your own will. I will not reconcile with this person. That means I'm holding what I want. I'm, ru I'm ruling my own self. It is also an expression, would, wouldn't you say, of self-love. I mean, Absolutely, how often, yeah. how often it has, is there quarrels in the church between brothers and they're like i'm not talking to that guy or i'm i'm done with him or you know what i mean this irreconcilableness and it's just an expression of self-love 
If, yeah. if, if the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace or love is the perfect bond of unity, then self-love would be the way to disunity, right? That's good. No, that's good. And even Jesus says, I mean, Jesus says, if you're offering your sacrifice on the altar or you're about to offer your sacrifice on the altar, but you know you need to go reconcile, leave the sacrifice, make right what needs to be made right, and then come back and offer the sacrifice. I mean, that, those are strong words from the God who himself is requiring the sacrifice as, as an expression of worship. So, uh, wow. so certainly, yeah, those that refuse to be reconciled or those that really, in essence, is those that refuse to forgive uh, they hold on. And, uh, and again, the reason they, they hold on is what is, what is fueling that thing. Yeah. It's, it's regarding self in that particular situation above the mm -hmm. message or the, or the person. Wow. So malicious gossips, this word actually is Diablos. It's the devil is actually, this word is actually used to as the name of the devil elsewhere in the scripture. <laughs> wow. And it, it actually means slanderer. That's pretty crazy. Now you take on the nature of the accuser. You take on the the nature of the slanderer um, by this self love that causes to that causes you to lift yourself up so high as to maliciously gossip of those that are beneath you, those who you see to be beneath you. Right? It's also another manifestation of self love. Right? Yeah. So what, how would you tie without self-control, without power over yourself, how would you connect that to love of self? Without self-control? Yes, because the next one is, the next description is without self-control. Oh, I see. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <sighs> well, yep. So, well, self clearly rules all in this situation. Without self-control uh, implies self rules all. So, you know, like... <laughs> You know, we have we have a body uh, we have, you know, natural appetites that if taken to extremes will lead us into sin. And, and we will we will live to serve our appetites rather than allowing our 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 very body to be a an instrument of righteousness that serves the purposes of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so one without self-control, obviously, is one without the fruit of the spirit. And one who cannot properly wield his body and his appetites unto the glory of God, enjoying all things he has made in his own proper design. Rather, it's it's a heart that's perverse that uses its instruments and 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 or the instrument of his body for the purpose of of the satisfaction of hmm. of of desires that are rooted in the rejection of God hmm. uh, and the love of the flesh. So would you say that even like slothfulness in and of itself is a love of self? Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's genuine slothfulness, like, like yeah. real slothfulness that, uh, someone just refuses to work, hates mm -hmm. to work, just wants to, yeah, for sure. It yeah. would, it would be, I mean, yeah. wow. I think that's fairly clearly illustrated, you know, like in the Proverbs and other places mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> So it moves there from there to brutal. Wow. Haters of good, treacherous, reckless. Uh, that's, that's wild. Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather 
than lovers of, of God. I, I just want to touch on that one on conceited real quick. I, I looked this up earlier. And the word that's used here is tufo. It means to be high-minded. Listen to this. It says, it is to raise a smoke or wrap in a mist. <laughs> it says, it is used metaphorically to make proud, puff up with pride, and render insolent. He says the participle here is perfect intense and speaks of a person who is in the past has come to such a state of pride. He is so puffed up that his mind as a permanent result is beclouded, besought with pride. He's literally surrounded with a cloud of self that, that hinders him seeing other people or seeing God or seeing anything other than this cloud of self. This is the, the word that's being used there for high-minded or, or conceited. Wow. That's pretty wild, huh? Yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, brutal, not, not loving good. It's just, um, <laughs> there's no regard for others. It's, uh, there's no kindness. Wow. There's no gentleness. Um, it's interesting because later on, Paul talks about, you know, he, he reminds Timothy of his life and his conduct and his patience. Mm. And even first Corinthians 13, where it says love is patient. <laughs> like you cut love, patience comes out. I often think like even in my own life in situations of pressure, whatever it may be, you know, getting caught like in crazy traffic. If you're running late or, you know, somebody you know, mistreats you, you know, you're waiting for something. It's usually in, in those kind of settings. I mean, you never get impatient sitting on the sofa in the air conditioning, right? Like, like watching whatever, like your favorite team playing <laughs> basketball or something like that. For some reason, you're not impatient in that moment, right? You're always impatient when you're in a situation of pressure and you are not getting what you feel you should be getting in the way you should be getting it. Uh -huh. And that impatience comes out. It's, it's, it's a reminder always of like, okay, wait a minute. Why do I feel this frustration and this lack of patience? God, free me <laughs> from, from, from this absorption with self in this moment. You know, I, I want to, in this moment, behold you, remember you. <laughs> and, and even these people that I'm surrounded by, wh whoever these people may be that may have even done something that I may interpret as wronging me, who knows what things that they've gone through that are way worse than what I'm going through right now and, and mm -hmm. seeking to find compassion in my heart in that moment to see them reconcile to Christ rather than me being upset because <laughs> I wasn't, you know, acknowledged before all the others. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So the root of brutality and hating what is good, being treacherous and reckless and conceited, we know to be the love of self. I mean, even like treachery and recklessness, these things in and of themselves don't take into consideration others. That's, that's the root of them. I mean, when you said brutal just a minute ago, the main thing that came up in my mind was abortion. It is a very brutal thing to tear apart a, a baby. You know what I mean? It, it just seems to be, it seems to be one of the expressions of a self-love and God of self is to be able to do such a brutal thing, you know, uh, to right. 
Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and it's become, it's become so normal now, or mm-hmm. maybe, maybe 20, 30 years ago, somebody would blush over it or would try to keep it secret, mm-hmm. but it would still maybe happen, you know, uh, you know, under the table, so to speak, but, but it's come to the point now where, where people are boasting, mm-hmm. boasting about it and, and demanding it. And, uh, with, without conscience, without, without, seemingly like without feeling of what, of what is taking place it's it's brutality love of self it's it's void of the love of god yeah and it will always express itself in brutality and these are the last days that are quote difficult times john wesley calls it grievous times uh, we see that this is something we need to keep in front of our minds you know that these are the this is the description of a difficult time what you just said about how today abortion isn't even blushed at that is a description of a difficult life situation you know even that's being listed here by by paul Um, so let me ask you this question then lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god do you think that loving god is the antidote to being a lover of pleasure. Do you think that he puts them against each other to explain such a such a truth that as you love God, the love of pleasures or sensualities will be snuffed out? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And and he goes on to talk about a, a godly life or a life like God. Uh, and these men who love self and love pleasure rather than loving God, they, they maintain the appearance, but they deny the power. Mm. So what is the source of a, of a godly life? If, mm. if they maintain an appearance, they have an appearance of God-likeness, mm-hmm. but deny the power. So what is the power behind living a godly life? It's finding our absolute pleasure in God, <laughs> right? I mean, that, 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 would, that would be the source. Yeah. Of, 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 of a godly life. It's, it's finding a pleasure in him that eclipses the lowly, earthly, perverse pleasures of this life. Wow. And uh, it's, it's interesting because if you, if you love pleasure for the sake of pleasure, mm. that is not the love of God, right? <laughs> but on. if you love God, who himself is the source of, of all pleasantries, right? He, he himself is the source of all. I mean, how, how can we as believers be bored, right? I think the only way we can be bored as believers is if we, if we, if we do not have a spirit of revelation. Paul prays for a spirit of revelation, right? A wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. If we have a dull spirit, like, like a numb, our spirit is numb mm-hmm. to the one who is the most fascinating being from forever and to forever, right? I mean, it's, you cannot, he, he is forevermore the most fascinating being in the universe. Those nearest the throne constantly call out, there's no one like you. That's what holy, right? That's what it means. Holy. There is no one like, it's constantly coming out of them. Like your, their minds and, and affections <laughs> are constantly being blown. And they are the ones who have the clearest picture, right? We see in the scriptures, they have the nearest proximity to the throne, these four living beings, and they are rewarded. And why are they so favored? Why can we say they're so favored? Proximity and vision, because they have eyes 
within and without so they can see all the more and all they can do is holy hold you can you can tap them on the shoulder <laughs> right i mean if they i don't know I don't know exactly what the shoulders look like but i mean right hypothetically speaking and try to get their attention with anything you can think of from here below they would not bat one of the 150 <laughs> whatever many eyeballs they have right they are focused on him on but they don't love pleasure for the sake of pleasure because if you love pleasure for the sake of pleasure the end goal right pleasure is a means to serve you uh-huh. but if you love god who himself is the source of all good mm-hmm. and all pleasure you will not lower yourself to feed upon yeah. that which swines feed upon you won't, you won't find yourself like a prodigal right he comes to his senses he's on all fours after having wasted his inheritance on prostitutes and 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 drunkenness he's on all fours wishing he would be able to eat what the pigs were eating and he was saying what am i doing what am mm-hmm. i need to go back home to my father's house he comes to his senses right yeah this is say he came to his senses which is what the last verse of chapter two says that they would come to their senses you know john wesley said that the Christian is kept from sin by greater attractions to Christ. I think that's exactly what you're saying. The more we are looking unto Jesus, the more we find a satisfaction so deep that causes us to to be completely severed from lower satisfactions. You know, no interest in them anymore. I mean, I, I know you, and I know when you got rocked by Christ, your heart shifted. And I was just thinking today about how when I got rocked by Christ, I used to love Tupac. I, man, I, I'd bang him out all day long, just listening to him, memorize his lyrics. In one weekend, bro, meeting Jesus, I was listening to Maranatha praise singers. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? It was, yeah, but, it's amazing. but like the, everything switched, everything changed. I found something so much higher you know, it wasn't a better sound quality. It wasn't a better music. It was what it was about. It was him. It was worship right. of, of the Lord. It was the root of great joy, uh, you know, greater than anything that, that I had found before. Yeah. No, that's but, good. You know what? You said something that just reminded me of something. Same here, man. Like I got born again and loved hip hop and rap music. I was more like of the East Coast flavor, you know, but, but nonetheless, I remember when I got born again, you know, I was listening to Paul Wilbur, right? I was listening to Paul Wilbur worship songs and Holy Fire. And, <laughs> but I remember in my heart, I was longing for like, like, man, if only I could find like, and, and of course there's good, you know, Christian rap music out there, stuff like that, or hip hop, whatever. But I remember longing for like, man, but why can't there be, you know, music that I like with the style that I like? But I remember thinking to myself, the spirit of God brought something to my heart, like, it was almost as if I was asking God to fix the plate with the kind of items that I like on the plate. Uh-huh. Right. You know how when you give your kids you know, dinner and they're like, well, I don't like that. Yeah. Like, give me something that I like. And it was like, oh, Lord, wait a minute, Lord. Something as simple as that. I was like, Lord, I, Lord, forgive me. I don't want you to, to feed my appetites in a way that's, that's, you know, acceptable by me or in a way that, that, that my appetites desire, Lord, change my appetites, Lord, mm-hmm. change my palate. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I, and again, I'm not talking about rap music in and of itself. Like you can't yeah. listen to Christian hip hop. If it genuinely is God glorifying so much of it is completely self exalting. <laughs> but, but the whole point of it is like, Lord, you don't have to change anything to fit my likes. Yeah. 
Lord, change my likes so that I can truly find the ultimate satisfaction of life. Because when he asks for all, he will never be indebted to any man. (laughs) He gives himself to the man fully who gives himself to him. Yes. Fully. Man, praise God. So we move here to holding a form of godliness, denying its power. Bro, the word that's used there for power is the same word used in Romans when it says the gospel is the power of God. So when they deny its power, connected to the fact that the gospel is the power, it means that they have a form of godliness, yet they themselves deny the gospel. Their, their hearts are not submitted to or haven't received the, the power of the gospel. <laughs> so often, bro, I'm seeing more and more that we as Christians want to move past the gospel. And I'm, I'm finding that even that can be rooted in a self-love, a self-awareness, because the gospel rips man away from himself and points him towards the beauty and majesty of a, a bleeding Christ on a tree. And so it's, it's this denying the power of God, I think, that can be connected to the, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Man, it says avoid these guys. Avoid such men. Wow. What does that mean? <laughs> like he's coming. Don't, right. no, I'm, not, I'm not talking to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You're going to be over there on that side. I'll be on this side. Right? I'll be on like this side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've had to avoid certain people recently. Um, uh, people that I know people that were a friend of mine at one time, people in my actual city here that have uh, left their wives and their, and their kids and got with some other girl and wow. rejected authority. Uh, leaders came to them, wouldn't submit to them, and yet they are still on the streets performing miracles and casting out devils. All the while, they are living in a way that is directly contrary to the plain text of the scriptures, but yet still seeing things happen. And in my own heart, I had to separate myself from any connection with them whatsoever uh, and avoid them. Uh, so I, I see that it's it's in, important, you know, that there be a divide between those that will not walk in the way of the Lord, even though they preach the Lord. Wow. Yeah. What do you what do you yeah, think? It's crazy because because even where where Timothy's I'm sorry, Paul is headed here in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 3. He starts to talk about such things. I think in a, he's, I think in a general way when he says in, in verse 1, understand this, that in the last days, you know, difficult times will come. People will be lovers of self. I think in a general way he's talking about the world, of course. Of course. I mean, the world is already condemned mm-hmm. uh, because they have denied Christ. But I think in a more unique way, he is talking about those that have crept or seek to creep into the church. Mm those that are false in the midst of us that we may think are authentic um, or maybe even those that have started off right, but along the way have never really surrendered their, their will to God mm-hmm. and have allowed their hearts to run wild with the desires of the flesh and they're, they're mixed. And as a result, they, they, they now filter out the very, even as we read about the end of chapter two, right? The will of the devil, they're, they're captive to him. He goes on to say in, in, in verse six, 
And this is an interesting passage. He says, among them are those who creep into the house. I'm sorry, creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions. And this is the third thing, always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And then he goes on to say, just as Janus and Jambres opposed <laughs> Moses, these men opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith, disqualified regarding mm -hmm. the faith. They will not get farther. Father will be made plain to all, just like these two men. So it's the same thing that he says in Jude chapter four. In Jude four, uh, Jude says, uh, and I'll read it really quick. He says, uh, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, those that pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny, right? The same words. They maintain a framework of godliness, but they deny the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so the same picture of, of creeping in like unnoticed, uh, to me, it, it, it kind of speaks of the imagery, even from Genesis chapter three, where the serpent crept in, right? Mm -hmm. He was the most crafty of all the animals of the field. Uh, and he crept in and he deceived Eve. So it, even when Paul talks in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, where he talks about church and church government and how it reflects family, and he talks about how woman should not rule over, over man, there's, I believe personally, I, I believe the scripture is clear about divine order. It has nothing to do with equality. It has everything to do with roles and assignment. And just as a, as, as a man is... is, is uh, the, the head of his home and a woman comes up underneath that authority. He loves her and gives his life for her. And for anybody who would have an issue with that, they would have an issue with the theology of God as three, the very Trinity, because the son submits to the father. And yet he is God from forevermore. He's God, the son, right? I mean, we see in first Corinthians chapter 15, after he inherits all the kingdoms of the world, he offers them back up to the father and he himself, who is God, the son from forevermore and to forevermore submits to the father. So if they have an issue with the idea of equality, but yet submission, if anyone would have an issue with that, they have an issue with the very person of God himself. And so in this, in this setting, these men are perverse men are trying to find those that are not properly related, right? They're not, they're not, they're not walking in the expression of, of uh, divine pattern, right? They're finding those we, we read earlier, those that are disobedient to their parents in this particular setting, he's clearly not talking about women in general. He's talking about a unique group of women who seek to reject the design of family as, 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 as the scripture speaks of. And they themselves have hearts that run after the same things that these teachers who want to tickle their ears have in their own hearts. And so uh, they're taking cap, they're victims of the things they have chosen to make themselves victims of. They're, they are being victimized now by these false teachers because they have chosen to allow their hearts to be victimized by the very content of what these men choose to use to flatter them and mm -hmm. manipulate them with, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting uh, because then afterwards he talks about Janice and Jambres and and I know we talked about this just a second ago. We don't see a reference point for these, for these names in the Bible. So who are these guys? Janice and Jambres. We don't see them in the Bible. 
right? We don't see specific, well, let me rephrase that. We see them in the Bible, but their names are never mentioned in the Bible. So why do you think he puts their names here? And why do you think he's using them? Who are they, first of all? And why do you think he's using them as the model of these particular men who are full of themselves and come to deceive the weak and the ones who themselves reject, uh, you know, God's pattern of, of, uh, of kingdom? Well, we know that they are Pharaoh's magicians because it says that they opposed Moses. So this working of power in opposition to Moses, very interesting illustration. But like you said earlier, that Moses represents the one sent by God, the one whose message is divine, the one who is endorsed by God with God's signs and wonders. They oppose him with power from another source, a display of power from another source, which is very interesting. And this, I told you before we even jumped on this, that this is one of the most interesting things I think of the entire book, that he would bring out these two magicians to describe uh, these, these, these people inside of the church. It's, it's bone shaking because there's power here. Right. Real power. I mean, the magicians, it wasn't like fake. They weren't fake miracles, right? They weren't like, it wasn't magic tricks. Right. They were real lying signs and wonders. So we say lying because they were not foretelling the truth. They were not, the signs and the wonders point to a reality greater to themselves, but they were not pointing back to Christ. Right. 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 They were not pointing back to Yahweh. So they were signs and wonders, but they were lying signs and wonders. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So here's a question for you. Why, so, so these men, right, they, they, they perform false signs and wonders. They oppose the, 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 the man of God, the, the true authentic man of God, in this case, Moses. Uh, do you see any other connection in the scripture to any other character in the scripture that you would connect them to? So oh, they're, they're, they, have yeah. real, they have real anointing. There's real anointing here, hmm. right? They're deceiving the weak-minded or those that are easily given over to their own passions. In this particular case, Timothy's... Uh, to Tim, uh, Paul's writing about a particular group of, of, of people in this case. Um, anybody else come to mind? Yeah, yeah. We've, we talked about it earlier. Balaam operating with prophetic uh, power, yet not right. <laughs> you know, outside of God. A lover of self, a lover of money, actually. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so we have the root, the same root in Balaam that we see in Janice and Jambres, the love of self opposing the truth with power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With, with power. It's crazy because I remember a, a prophetic brother, a great prophetic brother who, who's with the Lord now, John Paul Jackson. I remember him saying something one time where he, he said that somebody can start with an, an, an authentic gift from the Lord a prophetic gift from the Lord or any kind of a gift from the Lord. And they may have access to discerning the, the supernatural realm in a way that the average person cannot in a unique way. And of course, in different varying degrees between prophetic brother and prophetic brother. But he says, if their hearts, if they don't surrender their hearts to the Lord, and if their character doesn't match their gifting, 
eventually their heart will start to seek after, or I'm sorry, their heart will start to direct this gift and this gift will be filtered through their very character. And so he says, they may have started locked into the airways of heaven, but now their airways are still there, the airwaves, so to speak, but now they're picking up not the voice of the Lord, but they're picking up it may be supernatural, but it's sourced from hell. Mm. They're, they're not because their hearts themselves are corrupted. Mm-hmm. The, the, air, the, the channel that they're picking up on mm-hmm. is, is, is connected to the very heart's affections. That's- it's crazy because even with Balaam, so Balaam, you know, of course, the king goes to get Balaam to curse the people of God. And there was no man in the land that can discern God and his voice like Balaam. But then he, at first he says, no, he goes to the Lord. The Lord says, don't go. He says, okay, he doesn't go. Then the king sends to, to, to Balaam more distinguished men, right? With, with more money and with more appeal and they are able to persuade him. So he goes back to God. He knows what God said. Mm-hmm. He knows what God said. He knows God said the first time, don't go. But because something caught his eye, so something that they offered was connected to something in his heart. It's like a magnet, something from his heart picked up to something they, ha- they brought to the table. In this case, it was money. So God says, people are surprised. Like, well, what, why did God say go then? Well, in his heart, he already went, <laughs> right? In his heart, he already went. Judgment is when we disobey the Lord and we, we, we choose something other than him, the judgment is that he actually lets you take it, right? The beginning of judgment is when he actually, actually allows you to take what you want outside of him, right? That's the beginning of it. And so he gets on his donkey, right? The donkey is known in the ancient world and even today as like the dumbest animal, right? The, the animal that can't discern anything, right? He's on his donkey and the angel of the Lord with the sword is in the middle of the road and the, the donkey stops. And now listen to this. The prophet is one who's supposed to see and hear and speak for God. He cannot see the angel. He cannot hear the angel. And he starts cursing the donkey. There's the prophet, right? And then the donkey, and he's, and, he, and he's hitting the donkey. So the donkey turns around to him and he says, why are you hitting me? Right? He's like, so then, his, so then his eyes open and he sees the angel. The rebuke is that the prophet, unlike any man in the land who can see and hear God and should be a mouthpiece for him, <laughs> is blinded by his own covetousness wow. and the Dumbest animal in the land can see and hear and speak more correctly than he can. (laughs) More correctly than he can. So he may have the anointing, but it's, it's, it's the heart and the will and the mind that's set on the love of God above all things that, that will wield the gift. The gifts will pass away, right? We see that in first Corinthians 13. And, and we believe in them, you know, for those that may be watching, we believe fully in the continuation of the gifts that are sure. in the scriptures for us today in every way we pursue them. But Christ is all. And these things are just tools, mm-hmm. right, to enhance the expression and the proclamation of that. That's so good. And it's funny that you just talked about character and this whole bag with all these items in it that are wrapped up in self-love. We see Paul say, but now follow my teaching or you followed my teaching my conduct my purpose my faith my patience my love my perseverance my persecutions my suffering such has happened to me in antioch so he goes and he shows that contrary to everything i just said that is rooted in self-love you followed me 
in this way. And he names these things that are completely contrary to all the things that he just listed connected to self-love. And look at these things. The way that he conducts himself, his purpose is not self-centered. His faith is not self-centered. His patience is not self-centered. His love is agape love, which comes from the, the spirit quickening the heart of man. Perseverance, the persecutions, this is all a, a, a description of a life that is not lived for itself, but for another, someone who's greater. Uh, but he even goes on to say that God rescued him out of them all. And then he says this phrase, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And I think the context is so important. The context is you cannot love yourself and desire to live a godly life. As a matter of fact, living, setting your heart to live a godly life means you set yourself apart from you. These two things are mutually exclusive, lovers of self and desiring to live a godly life. <laughs> what do you think? That's good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're going against the grain. You're going upstream, right? When the river's going downstream, so to speak, from a culture and a world system that is predicated yeah. on the worship of self and rejects and denies, like it says, the source of, of, of the power that, that makes one truly godly, right? It, it rejects God. It rejects his presence. It props up the image of self as the image of God. And, uh, and in, in a setting like that, even as we see in, in John chapter three, it says that the light came into the world and the darkness rejected the light, <laughs> right? The, the light came into the world. Certainly the, 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 the light overcomes the darkness, but the darkness it, it hates the light because the light exposes its evil deeds. You know, what's crazy too, is that Timothy, I'm, I'm sorry, Paul says uh, all these persecutions that he'd endured, we've read about them before in first Corinthians and second Corinthians. And he says, yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Isn't that crazy? Like he was shipwrecked. He was stoned. <laughs> he's in prison when he's talking rescued <laughs> like past tense. Like you're in prison, right? Like he was stoned to death. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, like the, the brothers came around him and laid hands on him. He kept it. Paul's perspective is different. Right. So, so his, his whole perspective is like, man, I've been persecuted. The Lord's rescued me. Praise God. Right. Like he's, in, he's in jail. You know, most readers are like, uh, but for him, he's like, no, 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 I'm delivered. Like these, these wow. external circumstances are not what these things don't hold me captive. Remember, like we talked about in chapter one, oh, I'm his captive. And so Sheesh. his perspective on persecution, he realizes that if we will set ourselves up to live godly and follow mm. Jesus, we will. That's the gospel. We will be rejected. Mm. We will be persecuted. But the way that he uh, perceives persecution and deliverance is different than the, than the average man. The average man just says, just remove the pain and the discomfort, and then I'm free. <laughs> Paul's like, Lord, just be all in this setting. <laughs> right. Be, right. Right. Even when he has a thorn in the flesh, yeah. different people argue about what that is. I personally believe it's it's he's he's every city and town and village he goes to constant problems. Right. Judaizers is trying to get him being you know, betrayed by brothers, being forsaken by brothers, being shipwrecked, being stoned, being arrested. Being, I mean, he can't get like 
like a minute to breathe, so to speak, and just kind of like, can I just get like, you know, a week without any kind of, pre- like it's constant problems for him. It's, it's a messenger of Satan just causing problems from of every sort everywhere. And, and, and the Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient to you for when you are weak, then you are strong. Wow. And, and I think this is what Paul's echoing here, where he says, persecuted, you know about my persecutions. I mean, he's currently still in prison, but the Lord's delivered me from them all. Yeah, yeah. He's learned a secret. Maybe the um, Lord it, himself is seen as the deliverance. I still have him. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. And the hope of, of, of the age to come, right? Yeah. I mean, it's for those, and we believe, of course, I, I believe fully, I believe fully in the, the kingdom now and yet coming. Yeah. I believe in the power of God, the power of the spirit. But mm-hmm. for those that would believe that the kingdom of God is, is kingdom now, period, that yeah. we're not living for the appearance of the sun. How do you even you read? Can't. How would you read the Bible? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, how would you read the Bible and make sense? Yeah. Every letter, every letter written contradicts such a mentality. Every single letter. It's just, yeah, that, that frustrates me. That whole, that whole thought frustrates me. We wait for the sun from heaven, period. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And oh, in the God. meantime, we, we, we preach the gospel and by his yeah. grace and by the power of the spirit, we see signs and wonders and healings and miracles, but we live for his return. Yes. The kingdom will be now when we see him face to face and yes. we will have glorified bodies to fully experience him and live in his presence forever. Praise <laughs> you know? God. I love it. So do you think that the evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived? Do you think that that's somehow connected to persecution? He, he goes right into that after he says, pro, or not promises, but predicts persecution. And then he says, but evil men and imposters. Do you think that these evil men and imposters that are deceiving are exempt from persecutions? That that's one of the ways in which we can recognize these imposters is that they are so aligned with the world that the world cannot hate them? That's a great insight. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I do think it's interesting how he mentions evil people and imposters. So the evil, you can, you can see them from, from uh, a mile away, right? You can spot them from a mile away. Yeah. The imposters may be in your midst and you may not know for a while until yeah. you really see their lifestyle. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought, man. How, what would you say about that? I mean, I, to me, they just, the word, but there connects the two sentences to me. And the fact that deception and them themselves, they themselves being deceived, they're deceived and they deceive others. Coming right on the heels of talking about living godly and being persecuted, I just feel like it, it, they, they, they come, they, they got to be connected in some way. Maybe it is that those that experience no opposition whatsoever to the gospel that they're preaching is because it's they've, they're deceived and they're deceiving others. Therefore, it's not opposed, you know, in, in any way. Uh, I don't know. But uh, he says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. Praise God. I want to be convinced of the stuff I've learned. The greatest yeah. need in our lives is a revelation of what we already know. So I want to be convicted, convinced thoroughly of what 
I have learned what I see. Knowing from whom you have learned. <laughs> wow. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Man, Paul banks the legitimacy of what he has taught him with his lifestyle. You know me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. The power of the things that I have told you and the stuff that I have imparted to you has its weight in who you know me to be. You know me. Yeah, I think that's so powerful, wow. man. Uh, then he says that, and then he says that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, man. The sacred writings. What a phrase! It's a, a these are sacred, set apart. They belong to God. Sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Man, the sacred writings are able to impart wisdom for salvation. Wow. That's so beautiful, isn't it? Man, it's amazing. Uh, what comes to mind too is, is the temptation in the garden, just to, to kind of go back to that, because when they saw that the fruit of the tree, they saw that it had the ability to make one wise. <laughs> Do you remember? It, was, it looked pleasant to the eyes uh, and, and, and to, the, to the taste. But then it also gave them the appearance that it had the power to make them wise. So part of the temptation of the tree mm -hmm. or knowledge of good and evil outside of knowledge of God is the, the heart's desire to find wisdom outside of God. Wow. And, and I feel like he's talking about the, when he's talking about the scriptures, I see him talking about the picture of the tree of life because that is true wisdom. And even in Proverbs where he kind of, we're not kind of, but I mean, in Proverbs, we see this whole contrast and comparison between like lady wisdom and, and lady foolish wisdom is embodied as a lady, as a woman yeah. and foolishness is, in, is, is personified, so to speak as a woman. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're, we're called to the attention of she who is true wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, and even with wisdom we see, and we know the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Mm. Um, even as we're talking, I'm reminded of, of Herod, in the scriptures, John the Baptist, he confronts Herod for taking his sister's, I'm sorry, his, his brother's wife, mm -hmm. right? He publicly rebukes him. Now, he, this man in authority is publicly rebuked by this revered prophet in the land, right? Mm -hmm. Revered, misunderstood. Some people fear him. They, don't, they certainly don't all love him. The people in power are intimidated by him. So he imprisons him because he can't lose face in the front of people. <laughs> but it says, it actually says that he, he, he enjoyed bringing him out and listening to him, right? And one particular day, there's a party going on in, mm. his, in his palace. And his, this woman now that he has taken from his brother brings out her daughter. I'm not sure, maybe a teenage girl or later teens, who knows? And she dances so provocatively before him that he says, I'll give you anything. Talking about being blinded by lust. Up to <laughs> half my kingdom, right? Half of his kingdom for a moment of pleasure. Wow. That's what he's talking about. I am willing to give you half of my kingdom for a moment of pleasure. That's how consumed he is with his lust. This is the same man that says that he would enjoy bringing John out of prison <laughs> from time to time to listen to him. And of course, the girl asks her mother, what should I ask for? And the mother, who in fact is a true expression of a Jezebel, says, cut the head off. 
the prophet of God, right? Cut the head off the mouthpiece of God, the one who will try to expose our darkness and lead us to him who is light. (laughs) So she says, I want the head. So in that moment, here goes this guy who's torn. On the one hand, he enjoys listening to the word of God from time to time. On the other hand, he enjoys having his eyes entertained by lustful, <laughs> right? By, by, by lustful encounters. And it, the one that was clearly never dealt with in his heart, right? The lust in his heart kills the desire for the word of God inside wow. of him. Wow, it's the bro. same parable of the seed where it says that the seed is the, 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 the parable of the sower. The seed is the word of God and it's planted, but the birds try to come or the thorns that were never dealt with and the hard soil and things, they choke out the seed, which is the word of God. And so I'm, I'm, I'm reminded about that because here he's leading his son back to the scriptures. And he says, all scriptures under the inspiration of the breath yes. of God is breathed out by God. The same way that God created Adam, he breathed his, it says he breathed the very breath of God, the very life of God mm-hmm. into Adam. Scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable mm-hmm. to teach, to reprove, right? So it's to reprove something, somebody believes something that's not right, to correct, mm-hmm. same, same kind of picture there, and to train in righteousness so that the man of God would be complete mm-hmm. and equipped to be able to perform Every good work that God has, you know, predestined for us beforehand. But uh, I think it's interesting because the word of God is what he's reminding him of. The word of God, which is able to make one wise and the fear of the Lord. But what are your thoughts on that, though? Yeah, I mean, that it's, passage. that last, the last passage of the second chapter keeps popping up in my mind where it says, he says, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses, escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. To me, that last verse in that second chapter is revealed in this third chapter where we have a list of all these things that are wrong in the people and then telling him to hold on to the truth which can correct these things so he tells him in the the last verse of the second chapter that those that are in opposition they don't live godly lives with meekness correct them in other words take the word of god into the poison with hopes that it would be cured you know with gentleness bring the word that corrects bring the word that is righteousness bring the word that is reproof and correction and teaching bring that to this corruption in hopes that it will heal it, it you know what i'm saying yeah yeah no that's 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 amazing man i remember and i think that's a great way to 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 put it especially there may be some young man right now listening you know t- to this or watching this right now and filled with zeal, you know, and, 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 and convinced that he can now right every wrong in the church. And he, he wants to become the, the prophet of God for the hour and correct all things. I remember we were in Bible school in, in, in a similar situation, right? In the midst of the presence of God and certainly loving God, but growing and growing in maturity in other ways. And I remember a man of God came and he said, uh, he said, you know, I've heard some of you students say, um, that Jesus called them a brood of vipers, you know, and John the Baptist called them, you know, a brood of vipers and sons of your father, Satan. And, and he says, I've heard some of you guys, you know, preaching like this, you know, to, to, to people and just real, real sharp 
real sharp messages. And he says, but Jesus was, had already committed his heart to lay down his life and die for these that he created the whip to drive them out of the temple with. John the Baptist had committed his heart and his affections to die for these who he sought to see repent and cross over into the kingdom of God. And so he says, when you have that heart that you're willing to die for him, he says, you can talk to him like that too. (laughs) So so the issue is not, the issue is not, should we not be direct and bold in the face of darkness? No, we should, but we should, we should certainly cry out to God for a heart that is filled with compassion and love and is willing to lay down our lives for these that are victims of, of, of uh, the strategies of Satan. Yeah. He, he always wept before he whipped, right? (laughs) So I think it it closes out here in the third chapter with an exaltation of the word of God. And I think that that is the best way to even close out our time here is to let people know that it is the sacred writings given to us, the God breathed word that will, that will, that will change us. It's, it's the, the neshama, the breathing of God into man through the scriptures. I want to encourage everybody watching this to value the word of God like you never have before. Realize it to be sacred, sacred writings, and that they have been breathed out of the mouth of God. As a matter of fact, what it says in, in here, it says profitable for teaching. The word there for teaching is uh, parental. It has to do with teaching children. So it, it shows us that the word of God is how God parents us. He parents us <laughs> through the scriptures. If you want God to be your father, you can't. he can't father you without his parentalness. This is his parenting. And so I want to grow in grace. I want to grow in the knowledge of Christ. I want to live a godly life. And I know everybody watching this, you want that too. It's going to come from the sacred writings. It's going to be the God- It's going to be God breathing into you through the scriptures. Whether you need the sword of offense or the shield of defense, it's all in the blessed word of inspiration. The Bible is amongst books what Christ was amongst men. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's amazing, bro. And I would encourage anyone watching now as well, you know, to... And I think it's important even for, for, for people to go through this with us because it's so important to just go through the word of God rather than just, and, and, and of course I do this as well. You know, I'll open up to a passage and just read a passage and, and the Lord will speak to my soul and my heart. But at the same time, I think it's imperative for believers to just read through the word of God, through reading through the Old Testament, like systematically, you know, reading through the New Testament, reading through books of the scripture, taking a book, taking a gospel and just spending a month with it and going through chapter to chapter and and then and then going, taking it and then going to the Lord in conversation. Yeah, so good, man. Taking second timothy taking the gospel of john taking genesis and going to the lord in conversation like lord i'm I'm pouring over these things god speak to my heart right speak to my heart change my life lead me show me give me a spirit of revelation i don't want my heart to be numb to you so it's 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 taking these scriptures and taking it to him in conversation in a real relational way this is the heartbeat of our faith it's communion (laughs) with him praise god Praise God. So, so we got one more chapter left and we're done with yeah, that, one, that book. One right? more chapter. 
Yeah, well, Second Timothy's is heavy. Second Timothy's heavy. Here's this man, this aged apostle in prison, writing to his most beloved son and, and offering these parting words. It's 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 an amazing letter and it's and it's and it's beautifully heavy. Mm-hmm. And we picked it because we felt it to be very relevant for this time that we're living in. So uh so guys, stay right. tuned for the next one. Uh, it'll be chapter four and we'll be closed out with second Timothy. Uh, thank you so much for watching. We love you guys praying for you guys. Blessings on you. Matthew chapter six, verse six, Jesus speaks to us about prayer. And he says, when you pray, go into your most private room and closing the door, pray to your father who sees in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. This actual text is what the entire course is going to be driving home. We must spend time with God. We're gonna talk practically about how to experience Him, experiencing and enjoying God from the scriptures. These things have changed my life and I know the Lord will change yours as well.